glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. We understand that life is filled with choices. We have to make choices. One of the things that I tell my children often is that you can have a household with children raised in the same home with the same Bible, the same pastor, the same parents. And it's amazing to me how you can have diversity in how those kids turn out. True? Yes? Because as we understand, people make choices. That's what they do. We all make choices. Uh, I assure you, I, I have made a lot of choices in my life. I've made bad choices, and I've made good choices. And uh, the same is true <clears throat> for every one of us that are here. And, you know, you think of life as being a pathway that you're walking. And many, many times we come to a fork in the trail, and we have to make a choice. Which way am I going to go? I remember years ago when my wife and I were very, when I was very first saved, we'd just gotten married. And, boy, you talk about Satan cranked the heat up right off the bat. But it was around the same time I surrendered to preach, and God was really working in the church there at that time. Uh, but I remember very distinctly there was a time in my life where I had to make a choice because at that point the fork in the road was there was two philosophies about reaching people with the gospel. One of them was basically you go to everybody and try to give the gospel to everybody. That's, that was the philosophy. You could do that through tracks, through the radio. You could do it through however it works. Just get it done. Reach people with the gospel. And the other philosophy was kind of like, well, we just wait for people to come to us and say, hey, you're sort of different. What makes you different? And I remember being faced with the decision of that one, just one of many decisions in my life, and I had to make a choice. And I remember the Lord making it very simple. He said, I said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I remember thinking, I guess we'll do it this way. <laughs> and can I, have I always been perfect? No way. Have I been perfect in the way I've done that? No. Uh, but it was a choice I had to make. And there have been choices about how I dress and how my family dresses and choices about how, where we go and what we do. And life is filled with choices. And I tell my kids often, you'll never get to the right place going the wrong way. Choices are extremely important, the choices we make. And here, there's a passage of Scripture that is so thick and so rich with truth talking about Moses and the choice that he made. The first thing we're going to see here is his choice. In verse 25, it says, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There's such a contrast right here, a huge contrast. He says he chose suffering over sin. He chose pain over pleasure. I don't think I have to belabor the point that that's not the average person in the world, is it? No, quite the contrary. Now you think about this. What did Moses actually refuse? What did he refuse when he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? What did he refuse by doing that? He had a very good chance from what reading I did. I don't know the Bible actually doesn't spell this out for us, but that it's assumed that Pharaoh's daughter was the only child, and by default she didn't have any children, and so Pharaoh had a good chance. I, mean, I don't know the Bible spells that out clearly, but I would say there's a very good chance that he had a possibility to become the next pharaoh of Egypt. Now you think about it, by, at that time frame on the, on the earth, 
to be the pharaoh of Egypt. He would have been the most powerful man, most prominent man, and the most and the wealthiest man on the face of the earth. You see, the picture here is this. Moses had everything that this world had to offer him at his fingertips. Everything. Physical pleasure. I mean, he, he wouldn't have to work. He wouldn't have to... I mean, there's so many things. He had it made. All he had to do was just stay right where he was at and he would have had it made by the world's definition. There's a fun fact for you. On February 16, 1923, English archaeologist Howard Carter discovered the tomb of the Egyptian pharaoh Tutankhamun, or King Tut. It was a big deal. Now, here's the thing. You think about him, you know, Tutankhamun being a pharaoh, right, in Egypt, and I believe it was around 1324 B.C. Uh, when, he, when he was in charge. Now, you think when they unearthed and they dug up his tomb and they went in there and they saw all the stuff that they buried with him, and they were able to assess his value. I mean, just think about how much that would cost. How much was he valued at? They said that uh, his net worth was equal to $350 billion. This is the type of thing that Moses was letting go of. This is the type of thing that he was refusing and he was rejecting. $350 billion. Can you imagine that type of wealth? But you get this, Tutankhamun died at the age of 19. Do you see the contrast there? The average person today would say, Moses, you idiot, are you kidding me? You gave up that kind of wealth in order to suffer. That's what you did. You took all that the world had to offer, the prominence, the power, the money, everything, the prestige. You have all of this at your fingertips and you're going to take it and throw it away so you can be afflicted, so you can suffer, so you can have pain. Are you out of your mind? It's exactly what he did. Now, here's, here's what you have to consider. What were the consequences of Moses' decision? His affliction that he suffered was temporary. And his pleasure that he received was eternal. This is remarkable for a person to make this type. You see, you see, the, 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 you see the balance here. Yes, you can see that, the scale. He took and he said the worst of Christianity, the reproach of Christ, the worst of Christianity is better than all that this world has to offer, the treasures of Egypt. The question for us is this. Can we identify with this type of person here where we can say, I'd rather have Jesus than anything? I'll be honest, none of us in this room have that type of a contrast in our lives. But we don't have to. We can still choose Christ. Isn't it sad that people with far less of a contrast yet somehow still don't make that choice? They still choose enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short glimpse for a season. Let me say this. If you have chosen to identify with Christ and it's caused you suffering, you can be sure that you've made a good choice. It's exactly what Moses did. His affliction was temporary. His pleasure was eternal. The Bible says in Psalm 16, verse 11, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Moses' pleasure lasts. He's still enjoying it right now. Tutankhamun, King Tut, died at the age of 19. And I got news for you. All that stuff that was buried with him did him absolutely no good after he died. You can't take it with you. Other people have chosen the pleasure of sin for a season and their pleasure is temporal while their affliction is eternal. 
And I think it's very sad to watch people come to that point where you can tell. You ever witness to somebody and you're sharing the gospel with them and you can see the battle and the wrestling match in their mind and they're making this decision. But if I choose to identify with the person of Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to give up these things over here. And yet you say, hold on, you can't retain these things anyway. You can't keep these things anyway. You're going to lose them anyway. And so... He did that. I remember a, a story where uh, David Gibbs was preaching and telling a story about how he, he was at a meeting and he was preaching and there was apparently a man who came to the altar and he surrendered to go to the mission field. And the way that the story goes is that the people that came to Dr. Gibbs afterwards and said, would you please talk to this man and try to talk him out of this? He said, what do you mean? Why would I want to talk to somebody out of going to the mission field? He said, because he is a brain surgeon. as a young, prominent brain surgeon in a well-known hospital, and he was very... That man made lots and lots of money. And he said, what a waste. They said, what a waste for him to do that, to give up this occupation to go to the foreign mission field. He can stay here, and he can make enough money to fund hundreds of missionaries on the mission field if he just stayed here. They're not thinking the way Moses is thinking. Say, no, 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 no. I'm going to lose that I might gain. Anybody ever heard of William Borden or the Borden Dairy? Yes. This, this young man was, uh, was in, amazing. It was interesting. He went to Yale and then he finally went to Princeton Seminary. And then his parents, I believe, they sent him off on a world trip to try to, you know, he, he was going to go on a world trip. And while he was doing that, he developed a burden for the foreign mission field. And so he surrendered to go to the foreign mission field. He was going to go to, I believe it was going to go to China. And he forsook the family business of the Borden Dairy Farm that was valued at a million dollars, and that was back in 1900. So he took what he had, prominence, money, wealth, all these things, and he said, no, 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 I'm going to lose that. And I'm going to lose it so that I could be faithfully obedient to God and go to the foreign mission field and give the gospel to people. He ended up going to Cairo on his way to China so he could look, learn Arabic so that he could, um, he could witness to and minister to uh, Chinese Muslims. And while he was there, uh, he contracted spinal meningitis. And within one month after he got that, he was dead at the age of 25. Many people would say, what a waste. What a waste. And I think, I think to myself, that's funny because that's very similar to what the disciples said. When you had a woman that came and she took all she had with that box of spikenard and she poured it out on Christ and they said, what, what is this waste that's been made? Friend, if you've taken your life and you've poured it out on Jesus Christ, you have not made a waste. That is the greatest investment we can make. And what you're doing when you do that is you're taking what temporal things that you cannot keep and you're investing them in a person that is well worth it and you will reap for all of eternity the blessings of making that good choice. So, first of all, his choice, but then it's interesting, look at verse 24, his identification. It says in verse 24, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You see, I love this because, you, you see, he didn't just choose suffering over sin for the sake of choosing suffering. He, he wasn't stupid. He didn't just choose pain just because. He didn't sit there and say, you know, I think it would be a better idea for me to just be in pain and suffer. I think that would be better. No, 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 no. He chose pain over pleasure for one simple reason, so that he could be identified with a person, with Christ. He chose his choice was all about who he would be identified with, God 
or with the world. You see, because Egypt commonly is a type or a picture of the world in the Bible. And it's sad because today many people, they try to blend. And they want, you want, I want to be identified with Christ, but I really want to be accepted and identified with this world. And that's sadly true. Listen to this very carefully. That sadly what is very true today of what modern Christianity is trying to do. It's, it's Catholicism repackaged. Catholicism over and over and over and over again. What they do is they take the cultural things. Uh, I was raised Catholic. And I'd say uh, you have things like the Lady of Guadalupe and you have all these different things if you're in a Hispanic culture. You also have the things where if you're in uh, southern Arizona, we went there and they literally, I walked into a, a Catholic building there in southern Arizona and they'd literally taken all the pagan idols of that Native American reservation and absolutely incorporated them into the building. You'd be like, who's that guy? It's because it was some Native American person that they said, well, that's fine. We'll take your gods and our gods and just kind of mush them together and call it all good in order to get people to accept it. Nothing's changed. Same father. What you have today under the guise of modern Christianity is they say, you know what? You want to be carnal? That's fine. That's fine. We do that too. We'll bring your little carnality in and we'll bring some Christianity in, mush it together and call it good. There's only one problem with that. It doesn't please God. I'll spew thee out of my mouth. You're lukewarm. What it it all stems back to is this. I want to be identified with Christ, but I don't want it to cost me anything. I want it to be free. I want it to be cheap. And that's exactly what it's produced, by the way. Cheap Christianity. Fake, plastic, phony. I got news for you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew the price tag that was attached with doing what was right, and they didn't bow. That's what we need. We need the real deal. We need the real thing. We need people that are willing to say, you know what, I don't, want it co- I don't care what it costs me. I want to be identified with Christ. You know, there are people that are ashamed to give out a gospel tract because people might think that they're weird or different. And if you're one, I'd say I just encourage you to work on that, pray about that, work on that, because what can happen is it'd be so easy to become cool, cold, and calloused and sit in the corner while a bunch of people go to hell. The local New Testament church is the vehicle by which God is evangelizing the world. If you and I are not doing it, it's not getting done. That's just that simple. And so Moses' choice came down to this. Who will he be identified with? You imagine this. He knows deep down inside he's a Hebrew. He knows he's a Hebrew. And he knows what the Hebrew people are. These are the slaves. These are the servants. These are the people they put to work. And there had to come a point in his life where he had to make a choice. Am I going to be identified with the people of God or the people of this world? You have to make that pick. Young people, I want you to know that that it has to come. There has to come a point in your life where you make a choice. Are Are you going to try to be identified with this world? Their music, their philosophy, their mentality. Their magazines, their books, their movies, their TV shows. Are you going to think like they think? Are you going to live like they live? It's about a choice. Or are you going to come to a place where you say, you know what? I'm going to make a good choice. I'd rather suffer affliction with the people of God. I'm I'm rather to have and receive the retribution of being identified with Jesus Christ here and now so that I can go on for all of eternity and have pleasure forevermore at his right hand. Or what's the alternative? The other choice is you can have pleasure here and now, but it's for a season. How long do seasons last? Not very long. 
I love how honest the Bible is. You'll have pleasure. There is pleasure in sin for a season. I've told my kids, I didn't get saved until I was 23 years of age. How is it that I know it doesn't work? Because I tried it. How is it that I know you'll have pleasure in sin? But friend, it is fleeting and it does not last very long. And you wake up with consequences that last the rest of your life. For some people, the lost, they go on to an eternity and face the penalty. James 4.4, 4, it says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. John 15.19, he said, If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. 1 John 2.15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes... And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I remember hearing a very good illustration by uh, Curtis Hudson one time. And he said, can you imagine if you went into a, a man's office and sitting on his desk was a picture of a woman? And he said to him, he said, who's that woman in that picture? And he said, well, that's my wife and I love her very much. But you notice at that moment there's a picture of a different woman on the other side of the desk. And you say, who is that? And you say, oh, that's a different woman, and I also love her very, very much as well. Doesn't work that way, does it? You see, because if you love your wife, there is no other. True? Same thing's true right here. If you, if you love the world, the love of the Father's not in you. You can't love both. You have to choose. You can't have two masters. One. And I've told my kids this. I said, sometimes we think, I understand growing up in a home where you hear, you hear truth. You still gotta, there's still a point where you've got to make that choice. You still have to choose for yourself. So I started the message. I said, there's young people raised up in the same home. Same Bible, same pastor, same parents, same everything. And you can have such stark differences, stark differences between kids. Ready for this? Because they're people and they make decisions and they make choices. They decide what they're going to do. Now, here's the part that's challenging. You want to say to a person, <laughs> really, I mean, this is it. Come here, Camden. This is, this is where it comes down to. Okay, Camden, I got something for you. Um, so if you go this way, people are going to hate you, despise you, ridicule you, make fun of you, uh, who knows? They might even kill you. I don't know. You know, that, that's down the road a little ways. If you go this way, you're going to have a good time. At the end of that, you're going to be destroyed. Over here, the Lord will say, good job. You see the contrast between the decision here. This is why there's a lot of young people that say, easy choice. Easy choice. I'm going to have fun while I can. Do you know the only difference that's going to make, do you know the only thing that's going to make any difference for a person making this decision? If you love God. If you love the Lord. You know why? I say, if you love God, if you go this way, He will be pleased with you. And He'll be happy with you. You'll likely hear Him say, well done. If you go this way, He's not going to be happy. He's not going to be pleased with you. You will not hear Him say, well done. That's it. It's really the difference between the two. And you have sometimes people that grow up and they say, 
you know, I understand very clearly the contrast between my decision making. But my primary focus is on me. I want to do what makes me happy. And I'm not worried about what God thinks about me. Does that make sense? My mind is blown by the number of people. I understand when a lost person says, I could care less about what he thinks. I get that. I mean, I understand why a lost person says, I don't care what he thinks. But when you understand, like we understand what he did for us when he shed his blood and he suffered. You, who talk about somebody who suffered. Who suffered here? When he suffered shame and rebuke and reproof and he hung on the cross in shame and agony and he died for you and me. Shouldn't that endear our hearts to say, I don't care what I have to face. You're worth it. And here, here's what it happened. I know this is a very cheap, very poor illustration, but some of you will get it. You imagine if you could go back to what? Let's go back to 1985 and you have the opportunity to buy stock in Microsoft. Yeah, some of you would be like, Oh, or how about, what was the other one? It was like Amazon. Remember, there was a time when you could afford, you know, one share. I don't know what they are now, like $1,000, a $2,000 a share or something now. But it used to be, oh, you could buy it cheap, cheap. You think of it in that regard. You say, listen, what you and I are going to suffer here and now is not that bad. But what we will reap in eternity is wonderful. The decision should be already made up. I'm going to do what's right no matter what it costs me. That's virtue. I'm just going to keep on living for him and serve him all the way until the very end. Let me ask you this. Are there things in your life that you are not willing to refuse in order to be identified with Christ? What is it? Is it retribution? You say, I I, I don't want to be identified with Christ because of the price tag. People think I'm weird or they'll think I'm strange or what is it? I hope we can all... Be honest with him tonight. And I hope we can say, you know what, Lord? If there's anything in my life that I'm not willing to refuse. Look at what Moses did when he said, I refuse. Billions of dollars, prominence, pleasure. He would have had anything he wanted. Anything he wanted, he could have had it. And he said, no. I won't do that. I'm going to refuse that for one solid reason. I want, to be identi- I want to be identified with God. Consequently, God used him to pen down one out of five words in the Bible. But it says, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Holiness. Consecrated. Set apart. What a wonderful thing. The last thing we see here is his motivation. Verse 26. I've kind of already preached this, but verse 26, he said, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. You see, I love that word right there. He esteemed it. Esteemed it. He valued it. He regarded it. He regarded the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt. There's only one way you and I can do that, and that's if we have an eternal perspective. If we live in a temporal world right now, in a bubble where it's all about right now, of course it would make sense to live for the pleasures of sin for a season. But you and I don't. You and I know that your life is even as a vapor to appear for a little time and then vanisheth away. I was with my grandparents recently, and they're in their 80s. I believe my grandpa's 88. My grandmother's probably 86. And it was sad to talk to them and visit with them. They're, they do not know the Lord. They do not have hope. And they know they're going to die soon. 
my grandmother said, this is probably the last time we'll get to see you. I've worked, I've tried to witness to my grandparents much. I've tried, I've, I've given them the gospel many times. And they don't have hope. They don't have peace. They don't have that because they don't have Christ. And they have, unfortunately, lived this life for what they can get here and now. And someday when they die, they'll lose it all. There's a clock ticking, and when that clock runs out, it's all over. But friend, for you and I, oh, hey, we can lose these things here and now, and we can gain, we can, we can go on to eternity and have, oh, it's going to be wonderful. The Bible says, and I believe it's 2 Timothy, no man that warth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Let us not develop heartstrings for this stuff. It is so easy to do that. So where we get so enwrapped, wrapped up in this stuff here and now. True? Am I the only one in the room that can do that? You know, stuff, things, toys, fun, pleasure, all these things, right? Now, he hath given us all things richly to enjoy, and that's fine. But understand, there's a big difference between enjoying something and being entangled in it. And what can happen is this. You start saying, you know, I'm enjoying these things, and before you know it, you begin to love it. That's exactly what he said. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. We should absolutely have whatever things we have with an open hand. But any moment, he says, do this, do this, do this, and we can do it. And so, but here, his motivation, he esteemed, he valued, he regarded the reproach of Christ greater than the treasures of Egypt. Why? Because he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. You see, he was losing his life so that he might gain. There is only, way, only one way for you and I to do this, and that is faith. That's it. You're going to trust an unseen God to an, and with an unseen future and you're going to rest in the fact that whatever I, if I lose it here for the cause of Christ and for His sake, I'm going to lose it here and now. I'll gain an eternity. Why would we give the missions? Why would we financially give the missions? I remember Brother Ward when he uh, was a young man and he had a daughter, uh, Darla, is that right? Uh, Darla and... Uh, and he, he, he used to tell stories about her. When she was seven years old, she died. Uh, was it leukemia? She died of leukemia. And he said, and I'll be honest with you, my seven-year-old daughter died of leukemia. I, I'd have a hard time with that. And I'm so thankful. Here he is. He's passed away, but for faith, faithfully for decades. Passed, he pastored and he served the Lord for decades after that. Didn't get bitter or angry with God. That's, that's miraculous. But one of the things he told us as a story was this, that, that he had gone through that. I believe he continued to tithe and give to missions and everything else. And they had medical bills, lots of big medical bills. And I believe it was within, within one year, they were able to give X amount of dollars to missions and, and all of that. Uh, but in the end, they paid off all of the medical bills and they were doing just fine financially. And they got audited by the IRS. <laughs> Like, that's great. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Your daughter dies, you get all these hospital bills, etc. Oh, and you get audited by the IRS. I tell him, go away. I don't like you. But anyway, he, he came, and, when he, and it was wonderful because Brother Ward had the opportunity to witness to this man. He, sa- he said he's looking at this report, and he's looking at it, and he goes, this doesn't make any sense. This makes no sense. You gave this much to the church, and yet able to pay off all these medical bills in one year. That makes no sense. 
And he explained to him that's because the Lord has been faithful and blessed him and took care of them and met all of their needs, etc. And so the point is just simply, you know, when you lose your life, uh, you might gain. The Lord will take good care of you. Why do we give to missions? Why do we give financially? Why do we sacrifice? Why do we live the way we do? Uh, because we actually have faith that this life is not the one that we're living for, but we're living for the one that comes after this. There is an afterlife. Mark 8.35, it says, For whosoever, the Lord said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel is the same shall save it. And I believe that there are many fair-weather Christians that say, I will identify with the person of Christ as long as it doesn't cost me anything. You know, it keeps some people from getting baptized. It's just simply the fact that it's it's identifying with the person of Jesus Christ. If you took somebody and said, listen, this is what we want to do. We want to take you and dunk you in a tank of water, but it was not in any way identified with Christianity, they wouldn't have a problem with it. True? But when it's... What it is, exactly what it symbolizes and what it is, that changes everything. We need not be that way. Let me ask you this. Do you esteem Christ to be greater than all this world has to offer? The true test comes down to what am I, what am I not willing to let him have? Is there anything in my hand? One of the things he said to Moses, what is that in thine hand? And he had a rod. And with that rod, God was able to to show himself strong and mighty. Throw it down, become a snake. Pick it up, becomes a rod again. Hold it out over the Red Sea, part of the Red Sea. Was there anything magical about that rod? No, just God used it. What is it in your hand that you have? What do you have? I'll be honest with you. My hope is that one of my greatest accomplishments is that my children precede me. They go on, not, they, they go on and then they live for the Lord. That's something I have in my hand. I have influence. One of the things I have is time. We had one pastor that while we were in deputation, he said, he said, I want to, he meant it as a compliment, but I was a little bit like, huh? He said, he goes, I want to commend you, Brother King, for going to the field at your age. My age? What are you talking about? I'm not that old. It's true, though. Most people, they don't wait till they're 40 to go to the mission field, do they? They usually go like 23 or 24. I don't have a lot of time left. If the Lord gives me another 30 years, that'd be great, right? To be able to serve the Lord down there in Mexico, wonderful. The night cometh when no man can work. There's a time frame attached to this. I don't have forever to serve the Lord here in this life. So I have time. I have treasures. What the Lord gives me for finances Am I willing to use those and invest those for the cause of Christ? Am I willing to give to missions? Am I willing to serve? Am I willing to go? What am I willing to do? Is there anything in my life that I'm not willing to give or spend or invest for eternity? Because the stuff here and now won't last. What you and I do with what we've been given for His honor and glory, that's what's going to last. Do you choose temporary suffering over sin? Do you choose pain over sinful pleasure? Are you ashamed to be identified with Christ in this world? I had this thought as I was finishing up and preparing for this. Uh, Can you imagine? I don't know that my wife's ashamed of me. I can't imagine that she is. Maybe there are times when she probably should be, right? You know, based on my behavior. But nonetheless, you know, can you imagine if we're out in public and every time we go out in public that she pretends like she doesn't know me? And she kind of stays back at a distance and avoids me. I'm like, what are you doing? And every time I try to come over next to her, she kind of keeps moving away a little bit further. I'm like, 
what are you doing? Why are you doing that? She keeps moving away a little bit further. I just don't want anybody to know that we're like, you know, together. I'm like, are you kidding me? We're married. I know, I know, but I just, I just don't want everybody to know. Just, just can we kind of stay away from each other? I'm like, would that, would that be all right? Or would that, no, I wouldn't think so. Is that going to go over well? No, not in the least. Do we do that with the Lord when we go out in public? I don't want people to know that I'm with this guy. I don't want him to know I'm with the Lord. I don't want people to know. You guys know Alan Harris. I'm sure you've met him before. Today's his birthday. I, when God, God made Alan Harris and then broke the mold and threw it away, there is no other Alan Harris in the world. Some might say, that's not bad. That's okay. You know, <laughs> Just kidding. There's nobody like him. Oh, that conviction to be around him. One of the most therapeutic things is to go on a trip and be around that man. Yeah. Why? Because everybody gets a copy of the Word of God or a gospel track or something along those lines. And you're sitting there going, we're at McDonald's. Don't you know, Brother Harris? You're not supposed to give out tracks at McDonald's just on the, you know, like once we get to the mission field. We're at an airport. You don't give tracks out to everybody or just the teller, you know, just the person working at the register. That's it. Not everybody sitting down eating food and stuff. Not them too. Don't you know the rules and the etiquette of giving out tracks? Not the people shopping. No, just the lady at the register. That's it. That's the only person you give a track to. It's convicting. Brother Harris is not ashamed to be identified with the person of Jesus Christ. Is there anything that you're not willing to refuse for him? Are we ashamed to be identified with him? Now, here's the part. If, if you told me, okay, how many, I was in high school and I was on the wrestling team and one of the things that the coach did was he would make us lift weights. I hated lifting weights. Hated it. Despised it. Why? Because it hurt. Pretty simple. It just was painful. I didn't like doing it. I'd rather do something else. But we did it and it was interesting. It was not because it was fun or it was enjoyable, but there was a greater purpose involved. There was something afterwards it was a benefit. You see, here's the thing. If somebody said to me, listen, I'm going to promise you a life of suffering and pain. You interested? Every one of us would say, no, I'm not interested. But when you say this, I'm going to, I'm going to offer you life with suffering and pain. But it's for him. It's for him. It's to be identified with Christ. I'm not going to be able to quote it exactly, but I believe it's in the book of Acts that when the, when the apostles were brought in and they were threatened by the Sanhedrin and they beat them, they went out rejoicing because they were, they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Did those apostles have the same perspective that Moses had? Yeah. Yeah. Am I okay with being identified with Christ? Or am I ashamed? Am I willing to suffer pain so that I could please him in the process? We talked about Paul this morning. Another good example of somebody who did this. And tonight we're talking about Moses. And I don't know if anybody here would be blessed or encouraged by a message like this. Uh, but I think it's exactly what I need to hear. Because we're getting ready to go to Mexico. And we are not... Somebody asked me this while we were in deputation. How far are you going to be from the beach? 
Well, if you look at our prayer card right here, you see the country of Mexico. We're exactly in the center, which happens to be nowhere near the beach. You don't want to visit us because it's nowhere near the beach. I could see where that was going. You'll want to go somewhere else. I'm not going to go down there and sit on a beach and sip lemonade. We're going to be busy. And whatever pain and suffering comes our way, it will be well worth it for one reason. Because of who we are suffering that pain for. It's for the cause of Christ. And it's temporary. And we can have pleasures forevermore at his right hand. This is cross-bearing time, not crown-wearing time. There will come a time when we can do that. And I want to just encourage you, if you've had to suffer anything to be identified with the person of Jesus Christ, good job. Well done. Keep it up. Because someday you'll get to hear him say it and not me. And won't it mean a whole lot more coming from him? Absolutely. If you have suffered or lost anything for his cause, that's good. 